All right, well, good morning. Good to see you guys here this morning. Um, this morning we are continuing in our series, Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything, and we are in Galatians, uh, Galatians chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 14, the same text that you heard during our scripture reading this morning. Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14 is where we are at this morning. And we're answering the question, why shouldn't we rely on the law for salvation? Why shouldn't we rely on the law for salvation? We'll talk more about what the law is as we walk through uh, the opening of today's message and, and talk about why it's you know, not going to bring us salvation. Hopefully you found your place, uh, whether you got your iPhone, your tablet, your Android device, whatever it might be, a physical copy of God's Word. I certainly invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 3 verses 7 through 14, and follow along with me. Beginning in verse 7, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So bow with me in prayer. God, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to gather together as your church to open your word, to, to read from it, to hear from it, God, to hear your message to us. And may that be the truth, Lord, as we walk through this text, that, that we are hearing from you, God. And that we take what we hear and we apply that to our lives. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was in college, I, I had the opportunity to travel out to, to San Francisco to visit a friend over spring break. And uh, I, I like to surf. And, and one of my friends, she had moved out there and she lived a couple of blocks from the ocean. And so my friend Peter and I, we said, man, we need to go out there and we need to visit her like yeah, we, we want to hang out with her. She was a good friend, but we also want to go to the beach and we want to surf. And her, she's only a couple blocks from the ocean. We should definitely do that. And so we, we planned this trip. We, we booked our flights. And one of my friends from college, she was from California. And so she said, I know this guy who lives out there. He lives really close to your friend. I'll, I'll connect you guys. And, and he uh, surfed out there. He's actually a surfboard shaper. And so I called this guy up. And I talked to him on the phone. He sounded like an awesome guy. And he said, man, when you come out, don't, don't even worry about getting a rental car. It'll save you some money. I'll come. I'll pick you up each day. I'll take you to all the best places, introduce you to a bunch of people, and, and we'll, we'll just have a good time together. And I thought, man, this is, this is great. And so we, we took our flight out there. We arrived at, at my friend's apartment, and we gave this guy, Pat, who's, who's the guy we were supposed to call there, we gave him a call. And we left a voicemail. We're like, hey, man, we're here. 
we're ready for you guys you to come pick us up and all this stuff and and then a little while later we gave him another call uh and then finally the next day like after lunch he calls us back and he's like oh yeah man sorry yesterday i I, I'll, I'll be right there. And a couple hours later goes by, and he finally shows up right before sunset. And so we were able to go with him that day surfing. But after he dropped us off, Peter and I started talking, and we were like, "Man, this guy's a nice guy, but we we just can't we can't rely on him. Like we need to go get the rental car. Like whatever it costs, we just we need to do it." And so we ended up getting the rental car, and and good thing we did. Uh, because the next day I called him to see if he just wanted to meet up with us because we already had our we already had our car and he didn't call me back until after I got back to college from my trip so we we definitely would not have been able to do much uh, without the car that that we got you see I'm sure hearing that story you're thinking about someone in your life somebody in your life that is just unreliable you want to rely on them but but, but you just can't. I mean, everybody has that person at some point in their life. And if you haven't met that person, there's a good chance that, that you're going to meet that person. Or maybe you are that person, right? You're, you're that person where, man, your plate is so full and you agree to everything, but, but things just fall off and, and you're never able to get to everything that you agree to do. And if that's you, then maybe you need to reconsider you need to look at your plate. You need to spend some time prioritizing and begin to unload some of, those, some of those tasks from your plate so that you can be a reliable person. But you know, people aren't the only ones that are unreliable. In today's text, we're going to see that, that the law is unreliable. The law is unreliable when it comes to salvation. And when I talk about the law, I'm talking about that, that body of literature that is at the beginning of the Bible. And you know, you know that body of literature well when you, you, know, you begin the year and you say, I'm going to read through the Bible. You make it through Genesis pretty well and, and you get on into Exodus and then Numbers and Leviticus and, and Deuteronomy hits. And man, this plan that you had to read through the Bible is all of a sudden maybe not looking like the best plan. But if you make it through that, which I would encourage you to do, uh, there's definitely some good stuff there. And there's good stuff in the law as well. I don't want to diminish its quality because it tells us about God and it tells us what he cares about. And, and we know that well. But, but the law is not just that beginning section of Scripture, the law and, and the commands are, are also found throughout Scripture. Even as you read in the New Testament through the epistles, we see a lot of different commands that are given. These are commands that, that God has is, is given us. In short, we can just say then that, that the law tells us how we are to live. There, there are the commands in the Bible that tell us how we are to live. And while the law is, is good and while the law is, is right and we certainly need to, to live according to how God's word tells us to live, the law itself cannot provide us with salvation. And for some, 
you know, hearing that might, might be a shock, right? Because you look at the different world religions that are out there and they all have their different laws and their different tasks and their different standards. And, and if you're able to, to keep those laws and you're able to meet that standard, then you are able to gain salvation. Or maybe if you can't meet those standards, there's something that you have to do, some sort of penance or some sort of sacrifice or some sort of pilgrimage that you have to take in, in order to pay the price for for some of the sins that you have committed by transgressing those laws. But, but here's the thing, that the law cannot provide us with salvation. It is unreliable when it comes to salvation. The constant striving and, and the unrest that people experience and, and people feel when they are trying to keep the law should clue us into that fact. But oftentimes we we don't listen to that, right? We, we just think, oh, we, we just need to try harder. There's just more that we need to do. Or we begin to think, man, we're, we're, we're better than the people down the street. Like, we're, we're much smarter than them. We have the inside track. Like, they might not be able to gain salvation through the law, but I can gain salvation through the law. And so we begin to strive thinking that we have this inside track, but that's simply not true. The law is unreliable, which means the law will not provide us with salvation. We cannot rely on it for salvation. And why is that? Why shouldn't we rely on the law for salvation? Well, that's what we're going to look at here this morning. First, we see that those who rely on the law for salvation miss out on God's blessing, miss out on God's blessing. In verse 8, Paul says this, and the scripture Foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So when Paul refers to the scriptures, he's referring to what we call the Old Testament. This is, this is what they had as their text. This is the, the text that Jesus read. This is the text that Jesus preached from. He preached from the Old Testament. Paul is reading the Old Testament and he is getting it things from the Old Testament about God. The Old Testament is good to read, is what I'm trying to say here. There are a couple of things, though, that, that are going on in this verse as Paul refers back to the Scriptures in the Old Testament, and Paul refers to the Gospel, and, and the nations will be blessed through Abraham. There's a couple things that we got to take note of. First, the Gentiles have always been a part of God's plan. God's plan is, He's always had us in mind, right? I mean, we are the Gentiles. If you are not of just Jewish descent, you are a Gentile, which makes up a lot of, a lot of people, probably everybody here. We are the Gentiles. And God has always had a plan for us, which means that we're not second-rate citizens of the kingdom, which means that, that we're not plan B when it comes to salvation. The plan has always been for both Jew and Gentile alike to experience salvation. And God tells Abraham, in you shall all the nations be blessed. At the very beginning, when God is making his covenant with Abraham and the nation is going to come from Abraham and eventually the, the Messiah will come from that, from that line and salvation to all the world will happen. God is saying right then and there, look, all the nations, not just, not just the Jewish nation, not just Israel, but, but all the nations are going to be blessed in you. God has always had a plan for both Jews and Gentiles alike, and that plan begins with Abraham. And in him all the nations 
would be blessed. And with God's choice of Abraham, we aren't, we aren't seeing him then section off a certain people for whom salvation can only come. No, what we see is that the plan started with Abraham. God's plan to save the world started with Abraham. We are told God preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, the good news. The good news that that salvation is going to come to the world, that, that his blessing is going to be poured out on the world, both Jews and Gentiles alike. You see, God simply just needed somebody to get the ball rolling. And he goes to Abraham, and he chooses Abraham, and he makes this covenant with Abraham, and he gets the ball rolling when it comes to salvation with Abraham. Now, why does... Why does God need to save us? You may be thinking about that. You may be asking that of yourself right now. Why do I even need saving? Why do I need to hear a gospel message? Why did God have to come to Abraham and make this promise with him or made this covenant with him and get the ball rolling to provide us with salvation? Why do I even need this in the first place? Well, if you turn back to the beginning of the Bible, and we don't need to do that now, but, but I'd encourage you to do that. Turn back to the beginning of the Bible, you encounter Adam and Eve. They're in the garden. You see, Adam, he's the first man. Eve is the first woman. And, and they lived in this garden paradise with a, a perfect relationship with God. And the text tells us that they used to walk with God in the cool of the day. I mean, could you imagine that? Could you imagine walking and, and talking and having you know, a conversation with the Lord, having access to God in, in that way? Well, Adam and Eve, they did. God also gave them dominion over the entire world. He said, look, I want you to rule over creation on my behalf. I want you to, to, to make something of this, and I want you to do this for my glory. But there was only one condition that God gave them. He said, look, you've got to trust me. There, there are two trees in this garden. One is going to continue to give you life, but, but the other one, man, it's going to bring about certain death. I don't want you to eat from this tree. And this was his condition that he gives them. And if you eat from the tree there, they're going to die. Now in the course of time, you know, you, you read the story, you know what's going to happen, right? Uh, Adam and Eve, they, they rebel against God. They go and they, they eat from this tree. And sin, which is, which is rebellion against God, sin comes in and it pollutes the entire world. Everything, including you and I. And eventually the world grew so wicked that, that God decided, look, I'm going to destroy everybody on the face of the earth, except for Noah and his family. And while the world was, was definitely less sinful after the flood took place, because you've only got Noah and his family there, uh, sin still was present in the world. Sin was still present in Noah's family. And eventually the, the population of the world grew back and the corruption in the world peaks again at the Tower of Babel, where man is, is not seeking to spread out over the, the face of the earth, but, but man wants to make a name for himself again and rebels against God. Now, I don't believe man's continued rebellion against God means that, that the restart that God had with Noah failed. No, no. Rather, I believe it shows how sinful we actually are. We are affected through and through by sin, and there's nothing that we can do to rid this sin of ourselves. God could destroy the world and, and start over a thousand times with another family, and 
corruption and sin will spread in the world just the same as it did after Noah. And without God acting to purify the world with a Savior, we are all doomed. But our God, he's a good God. Even as God is kicking Adam and Eve out of the garden of Eden, he promised to deal with sin. And God makes good on this promise when he comes to Abraham. He makes a covenant with Abraham. And he sets his plan in in motion to provide salvation to the world. And God not only promises to bless Abraham, but he also promises that through Abraham, the nations would be blessed. And in in order for that to take place, and, and when that takes place, God is going to deal kindly, not just with Abraham, but God is going to deal kindly with, with the world. He's going to be merciful. He's going to provide the world with salvation. Through the family of Abraham, the entire world would experience release from this sin sickness that, that, is, that has infected all of us. The, the, the sin that has polluted the world would be cleansed from the world. You see, we're all blessed in Abraham because the Savior comes through the line of Abraham. And we know that Savior, this side of the cross, as Jesus. And we'll celebrate Jesus' resurrection next week. And we know who that Savior is. And we can trace him all the way back to Abraham. And here's the, the important part of this recap that we're, that we're getting from the beginning of the Bible. We don't experience the promised blessing of salvation through the law. Rather, we experience the promised blessing of salvation through faith. In verse 8, God reveals that the Gentiles are justified through faith. In verse 9, we learn Abraham was blessed by God because of his faith. He says, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Back in verse 7, we see the concept of faith once more. Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. I mean, Paul is really driving home this point here. It is through faith that we experience salvation. Faith is the key. Faith, not a works-based system. It is by faith that we are saved, not by works of the law. And since we are saved by faith, if we rely on the law, what ends up happening is that we miss out on God's blessing. And it's just, it's really just that simple. And this is why we, we've, uh, or I've named the, the series, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Because it is really that. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You add something to it, Jesus plus something, that equals nothing. It is through faith alone, in Christ alone, that we experience salvation. Amen. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If you rely on the law, you miss out on God's blessing. If you rely on Jesus, then you experience God's blessing. It is, it is really as simple as that. Not only do those who rely on the law miss out on the blessing of salvation, but those who rely on the law for salvation live under a curse. In verse 10, Paul says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, a couple Christmases ago, we had the opportunity to spend uh, Christmas with, with Jen's parents and her family at, at, their, at their house. And um, we, we kind of trade out, or we don't really trade out because, I mean, we got to fly all the way back to Savannah. And we don't, we don't want to do that anymore at Christmas. We did that once, and uh, man, that was, that was tough. 
And so we, we've committed to not really doing that, but going later in the year, we can go to the beach and stuff like that. But, but Jen's sister, they trade out going, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas. And so this year it was the, their time to go Christmas. So we all go to, to Jen's parents' house, which means there's like six adults and five kids, you know, in their house. And, and as you can imagine, the kids are into everything. And one night they got into Jen's mom's balloon stash. And so the kids are running around the house, they're blowing up balloons, they're deflating balloons, they're popping balloons, all of this stuff is, is going on. And, and one of my sons, he comes up to me with this half deflated balloon and he says, Dad, can, can you blow the balloon back up? I can't, I can't get it to blow back up. And so I tried and I tried and I tried and I'm like, man, I can't get this balloon to blow back up. And so I start examining the balloon and I find that there's this little hole, this tiny, tiny little hole in the balloon. And, and as hard as I could try, I could not get the balloon to blow up because the air just kept seeping back out through this hole. And salvation by the law is kind of like that balloon. You see, if we want the law to provide us with salvation, we can't have any holes in us. We have to be absolutely perfect. But the problem is, is that, that we're, not, we're not perfect people. We, we never have been. We never will be. No matter how hard we try, we can't make ourselves perfect. Just like I could not take that balloon that my son came to me with that I so desperately wanted to blow up for him and make it perfect again. It's just not possible. You've got to throw the balloon away and you've got to get another balloon. And that's exactly what we did and after a few minutes he forgot about how much he loved the other balloon and and he started loving this this new balloon again but no matter what we do we cannot make ourselves perfect one commentator really brings this idea home when he says if someone were really if someone really were to fulfill the entire corpus of Pentateuchal law this is the the first five books of the bible with its 242 positive commands and 365 prohibitions, according to one rabbinic reckoning, there's this dispute as to, to how many there laws there actually are. Then indeed, such a person could stand before God at the bar of judgment and demand admittance to heaven on the basis of his or her performance. Yet where on earth can we find such a flawless person? Nowhere. Nobody is perfect. No one. Nobody ever can be perfect. Which means that the statement that is made in verse 11 is true. No one is justified before God by the law. If you try to gain a relationship with God through the law, you are always going to fail. It will never, ever work. And along with it not working, we also learn that those who try to gain salvation through the law, well, they end up living under this curse instead of experiencing justification. Living under a curse is, is, of course, as you guess, not, not a good thing. I mean, it means that, that we are cut off from God, from His people, from His blessings. We have nothing but eternal punishment to look forward to. But the curse is not just soteriological, you know, dealing with, with our salvation, or more accurately, as we can see here, dealing with our, our damnation. The, the curse is also psychological. Another author I came across he says this, At the very least, attempting to be saved by works will lead to profound anxiety and insecurity because you can never be sure that you are living up to the standards sufficiently 
whatever they may be. You see, trying to earn salvation through the law is is not only ineffective, but it is also psychologically detrimental to people. Works-based salvation, it produces nothing but anxiety and insecurity, as well as it makes people oversensitive to, to criticism, makes people envious of other people. It even makes people intimidated by others who we feel are, are better than us. There's not only this theological, soteriological aspect of, of trying to keep the law that, 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 that brings about the curse, but it also hinders our relationship with God. It hinders our relationship with other people. And it invites future judgment that we experience. And that's the fate of those who basically rely on the law for salvation. They end up living underneath this curse, a curse that is not, not positive, as you can see. I don't, I don't think any of us want to live underneath a curse. And so, how can we escape that curse? How can we experience salvation? Well, to put it negatively... Those who rely on the law for salvation miss out on Jesus' redemption. Put it positively, those who rely on Jesus for salvation, you know, trust in Jesus by faith, they experience salvation. You see, apart from Christ, we all live under a curse. We, our life is separated from God. I mean, sure, you, you can look and you can say, well, well, what about common grace? And common grace is really just that grace that God pours out on the entire world. Common grace is the reason why the sun comes up in the morning and the reason why you know, we have rain and, and we're able to grow food from the ground. It is the reason why we have laws in society and law and order. It's the reason why we do have government to, to provide for, for law and order. It's the reason we have medicine and technological advances. You see, all of the things that, that happen in this world in general that, that provide us with, with life and, and make it possible for life to continue is a result of God's common grace. See, we, we all deserve God for, for God just to immediately judge us and immediately wipe out, wipe us off of the face of the earth. But, but God doesn't do that. According to his common grace, he allows us to stay. It is what allows society to, to function and for people to continue to live. But apart from from belief in Jesus, we, we do not experience God's saving grace. Instead, we end up living underneath this curse. We are cut off from God. We are cut off from His blessings in regard to salvation. We have nothing but eternal punishment to look forward to. There is no hope at all for those who don't believe in Christ. There's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to avoid this curse, but the good news is, is man, we are not left without hope. In verses 13 and, and 14, we read this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. You see, Jesus, he comes in and, and Jesus redeems us from the curse, which means we're under the curse. We, we, we exist underneath the curse. And Jesus comes through his death on the cross and he redeems us from this curse. And we're all familiar with, with the term redeem, right? And like 
your birthday or, or Christmas or something like that. You, you do something well at work. Maybe you get a gift card. Say you get an Amazon gift card. Now, when you, when you go on there, which everybody I know, you got packages coming to your house like crazy. So uh, you go on Amazon and, and, you, and you go to your cart and you can type in that code on the back of the card and it'll put some money in your account. Or really what happens is it redeems that money from that gift card. Your friend or whoever it might be, they go and they buy that gift card for you and, and Amazon is holding that money on your behalf. When you type in that code, it redeems that money from Amazon's hands to your hands and then you end up paying it right back, back to them. But, but no money comes out of your banking account, right? Because you have redeemed that money. Now, in a similar way, that, that's what Jesus does. He redeems us from the, per, from the curse. Not by giving us a gift card with the code on it that we've got to go to this heavenly website and type in the code and now we can be redeemed by Jesus. No, that, that's not, not, not how it happens, right? But, but Jesus exchanges himself for us. Jesus hangs on a cross, the cross similar to, well, I don't know, similar to this, but, but a cross like we have on stage, right? It's representing the cross that Jesus hung on. He hangs on that cross, and as he hangs on the cross, he experiences the curse on our behalf. The only person who doesn't deserve to experience the curse, because Jesus is the only person who was actually perfect, Jesus hangs on the cross, and he experiences this curse, and because of that, he is able to redeem us from the curse by giving his life on our behalf. And the way that we tap into this redemption is not by works. Hopefully you've gotten that by now as we walk through this. Not by works, but through faith in Jesus's work on our behalf. That is how we are redeemed. When we exercise faith in Jesus's work on our behalf, we are released, we are redeemed from the curse. Our redemption means we, we no longer have to worry about our standing with God or, or what's going to happen when this life is over. There's no more striving and, and hoping, man, have I done enough? Have I kept the law enough? Have I, have, have I done enough good works in this world to make it into heaven in the next? There's, there's no more competition between one another in Christ we are truly set free from the curse. But again, it's not through our works. It's not through the works of the law that we experience. It is through faith and those who rely on the law, they end up missing out on Jesus's redemption. The law is unreliable. It can't provide God's blessing. It can't keep us from the curse. It cannot provide us with redemption. Knowing that then we should not rely on the law for salvation. Instead, we should run from the law to Christ because he is the only one who saves us. And that is exactly how God has designed it. We have these laws in Scripture. We have these stories preserved in Scripture for us, not, not to bore us as we read through the Bible, but to show us that man is incapable of keeping the law. Man is incapable of providing salvation for himself. Yes, the sacrificial system exists in the Old Testament, but but as you read through, you see that it is only temporary. And God has designed it, and the Bible has been placed together in such a way that the laws back in the Old Testament point to the need for a Savior. Amen. They point to the cross. They point to Jesus. 
And that's where we should run. Not to the law, but to the cross. Just as Scripture is, is pointing us there, we must run to the cross. Do you see that? Do you see the law's inability to provide salvation? We are saved through faith alone. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Are you still trying to prove yourself to God and to others? If you are, I invite you today to, to quit doing that. To turn to Jesus as the only one who can provide you with salvation. Because Jesus is really the only one who saves. And that's how we can respond today. That's how you can respond today. By turning to Jesus alone. Whether you are a believer today or whether you are a non-believer. We can turn to Jesus alone and trust in Him alone for the salvation that we have if we have believed in Jesus. Or if you haven't believed in Jesus yet, turn to Jesus alone. Leave the law behind and turn to Jesus. He is the only one who can provide you with salvation. In a moment, Scott's going to come and we're going to sing. And this is going to be an opportunity for us to respond. To, to respond as believers by praising God for what Jesus has done for us. For the salvation that he has provided. And if we are not yet believers, it's an opportunity for you to respond by turning to Jesus and trusting in Him and Him alone for your salvation. Amen. I'll be down here at the front if you need to pray, or I'll be out back afterwards if you want to talk more. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then let's respond to this message. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this opportunity to gather together as, as the church, God, to to open your word, to learn that, that it is not through the law that we experience salvation, but it is through Jesus and Jesus alone. God, help us to trust in him. Help us, Lord, to turn to him, to not run to the law, but, but, to, but, to, but to see that the law points us to Christ and that we might trust in him each and every single day. If there's somebody here, somebody watching that doesn't know Jesus, as their Savior. Lord, I ask that you would work in their heart, that you would begin to draw them to yourself, that you would show them the, the inability of the law to provide them with salvation, and that they would turn to Jesus and Jesus alone, that they would find true hope and true peace and true joy and release from the curse in Jesus. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.